Welcome to tonight's special event at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, fashion commentator, creative director and producer, Kinvara Balfour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Sandy Powell. Thank you very much for joining us. Sandy has just come off the set of Cinderella, which she's doing the costumes for with the director, Kenneth Branner, and is extremely busy, so we're very, very honored to have her here. I think she's just come off set. And I'm going to start actually with a quote from the director, Kenneth Branner, who we asked to just say a couple of words about you. She's a perfectionist. She's a phenomenally hard worker. She is passionate. She loves details. She combines love of the creativity with a gifted imagination. She is top notch. So that's from Kenneth Branner, where you're working that's very now. Very nice. Very nice. And now we're just going to have a little look on the screen. We're going to go back to some of your early films. And while I'm showing, I'm going to ask you how it all began and how this whole journey began from the very start. Because I know that you went to art school and you didn't graduate. You went, you went to work instead and look where it got you. So just tell us a bit about how it all began. Uh, how it all began when I was four or after art school or... When you were four, in fact. Were you, <laughs> were you into fashion and, and costume? I was. Through? I was into clothes and I was into... Um, my mum used to make all my clothes as a kid. Um, and I believe I made my first outfit age four, and as well as all my dolls' outfits. So it started then, really. Um, and then, as I got older, I really got into theatre and going to the theatre. And then I realised when I was about 15, 16, there was actually a job to be had designing costumes in, in theatre, which is where I started. What was the first show that you worked on, the first play? Oh, goodness. It actually wasn't a play. It was, um, it was a dance piece uh, for a choreographer called Lindsay Kemp, who was a choreographer and still is a choreographer and a dancer around today, but he was very big in the 60s and 70s. So that takes, shows you how old I am. Um, and I'd seen a show that he uh, directed and designed and performed in called Flowers at the Roundhouse in Camden when I was 15. Um, that was the thing that made me want to do costume design. And then years later, I met him when I was at college and said, I want to come and work with you, please. And he gave me my first job. Great. Which was, it was a, a dance piece called Nijinsky based on the life of the dancer Nijinsky with the uh, Ballet Russe. And you worked all on your own? Or you'd already had a team at that stage? No, I, I did it all on my own and made the clothes as well. He was, he was, my, first, uh, he was my first great teacher, actually. And did you go to college? I did. I did a couple of years at college. I did a foundation course at St. Martin's, what was then St. Martin's School of Art, closely followed by another two years at Central to do theatre design, but I left at the end of my second year. Okay, okay. And you never look back, basically? No. But tell us about your first film. The first thing that you did on, on screen, what did it feel like? And what would the, how did it feel to see the end result um, of something when you work on a full feature and you've created every costume? That's, that's the first film, the first proper full-length feature film I did was Caravaggio, directed by Derek Jarman. And it was a fairly similar experience to working in the theatre, which at the time I didn't realise was how films worked. I mean, I, well, what I thought was how films worked actually didn't turn out to be that way because Derek uh, directed films in a different way to other people. And, and his films were more like, a, they were a real um, collaboration, not that all film isn't, but it was a collaboration in the same way as... as Theatre is in that we all did everything. We made the clothes. Um, well, I designed the clothes. I help. I make the clothes. And then the people who were painting scenery, when they finished painting scenery, came in and helped make the clothes. The actors looked after their own costumes. It was it was an extraordinary experience, actually. 
And I was going to ask you from the beginning, where do you, when you're starting with a film, how far in advance will you work on the film before you actually start shooting with actors in the costumes that you've designed? Totally depends on the scale of the film. I mean, back then, when I started out and the films were much, much smaller and low budget, I mean, maybe we had about five or six weeks. Right to prep before you start shooting and you don't actually have everything finished by the first day of the shoot you're carrying on designing and making costumes throughout the filming but for example the film I'm working on at the moment I've had an incredibly long prep I actually started in January on this and we're still filming we've got two more weeks to do so that's been nearly a year of my life wow I can't wait to see the results (laughs) and that's with Helena Bonham Carter Kate Blanchett Kate Blanchett uh there's a the girl from Downton Abbey, Lily. Well, Lily, um, she Lily is James is Cinderella. No? Yes. And yes. we also have another Downton Abbey girl, Sophie, um, Sophie McShearer, who is one of the sisters, and okay. Holiday Granger is the other sister. And they all come in and meet with you. You've already got your sketches together. You've got your inspirations together. No, I don't together. have. No, no, I don't have the sketches at all. Never do the no. sketches. No, I have. Re- I have reference material, research. Um, yeah, they come in and we have meetings and I tell them what I'm thinking of doing and then the next time we meet them, I have things to, for them to try on. First and when a director times. chooses to work with you, which obviously they're all queuing up to do, and you've worked with some consistently, Martin Scorsese, Derek Jarman, Neil Jordan, is there an understanding really that if they've taken you on, they're just going to let you get on and do it? Or are there a lot of prep meetings about how everyone envisages the look and the feel? Again, it depends on the film and it depends very much on the director. Um, some directors have a clear vision of what they want. Yeah. I mean, not down to specifics of like a red skirt and a blue top or anything like that, but they'll have a, um, they'll have a clear set of reference or research. In, I mean, particularly someone like Martin Scorsese, Derek Jarman was also incredibly visual, him, and he was a designer. And also Todd Haynes is another visual uh, director who already comes on with lots of material, but other directors don't. That's not to say that they're not good. They mm-hmm. just have a different set of... Um, Images or inspirations, really, that aren't necessarily visual. Mm. But in answer to your question, on the whole, after that, I have been pretty much allowed to do what I want. And in order to know what you want, you, where are you getting your inspiration? Now, I know that's a boring question for any designer or any creative. However, are you hopping to the V&A every morning? Are you in the British Library till midnight, leaping through books? Are you on your iPad, Googling previous things you've done? Do you have a backlog, a back? album of all your designs where does it come from because to recreate a period something like Shakespeare in Love for example for which you won the Oscar to recreate a period like that obviously you have to have some very specific references and then you can go with it as you will but where does the initial research where is the initial research well the initial research usually starts in my own uh in my own home in my office where I've got quite a large over the years I've built up quite a big collection of books so I will start looking through everything I have. Um, even if they're not particularly relevant to a period, you, there, you, there are sort of certain books that are favorites and images and painters or photographers, artists. And you just look through those and that gets the creative juices flowing. And then also if it's a period, you start looking specifically at that period, whether it's in books or... Libraries I don't use so much. I use, I've used libraries recently uh, to look at back catalogues of fashion magazines, actually. Mm. Um, What else? Look at films, films either set in that period or films from the period. And then, again, it depends on the director. I mean, again, Martin Scorsese will always give you a list of films as long as your arm to wade through, to look at, that that 
will bear some relevance to, to different aspects of, of what we're doing. And then once you've seen those and done your homework, when you're sourcing fabrics, sticking to details, for example, in the Young Victoria, if some, something you want is made by a, with a sewing machine, but they didn't have sewing machines in those times, are you going back to the most, the original form of fashion? Or are you kind of making it modern day? Or are you very, very authentic? Again, that depends on the project. And Young Victoria is about real people in a real period. But I mean, we, you know, I don't hand stitch all the clothes just because they would have been then. Um, I sort of look at the period, look at how it should be, um, do the best I can to recreate that, but then there's always a bit of artistic license. Yeah. I mean, you can't get the same fabrics now anyway. You don't have... The, I mean, and there were machines then, actually. I mean, I actually saw her Victoria's clothes in, in uh, Kensington Palace, and they were machine-stitched, but the machines were completely different then. The needles were much finer, the threads were much finer, the fabrics were much finer, minute stitching that you can't do now. So obviously, okay. we do our best, but we can't recreate it exactly. And I always say, we're not creating museum pieces. It's a, it's a piece of entertainment. And I did actually... Um, I heard you say somewhere that you often dirty the clothes or muddy the clothes to make them look like they're worn rather than just put them on someone brand new because that's not really what they look like in real life. Well, we it? muddy them if they're meant to look muddy. Yes, <laughs> exactly. We, um, well, not me. I have a team of people. I have one person particularly I've worked with over, over the years who does, and he describes himself as a textile artist okay. or a textile painter. And what they do is, yes, we do work. We do... Um, paint into the clothes, but in a very, very subtle way. I mean, it might be really subtle just to make it look like it hasn't just come off the hanger or fresh off the machine. Mm. Uh, but, or if something is made to look, you know, somebody has to look like they've been wearing the same clothes for 20 years, there will be a lot more work involved. Yeah. And if they're meant to look dirty, then it might include mud. Good. Okay. And once you've made all these clothes, my question really is, where do they go? And do you get attached to some pieces more than others? Do you want to keep some for yourself? What, what's the life for a costume, something of the young Victoria or Shakespeare in love? Wh where do those clothes go and what life do they have afterwards? Um, well, they belong to the people who have paid for them, which would be the production company. They then usually want to get as much money back at the end of the uh, film as possible. So quite often they're sold. Really? And more often than not, they're sold to the costume houses that we rent clothes from. For the, we rent for all the extras and they build up their stock by buying costumes from films. So more often than not, they're sold. Okay. And then they end up being rented out on other productions. Okay, I see. I thought they would all go into huge archives. Well, some, sometimes they are archived, but then they're just kept in boxes anyway. So I guess they're better off out being used and seen. L looking back over some of your films, I think we're still looking at some of your films on a slideshow. Um, which, are the, which are the ones that stand out for you that caused you the most amount of work, pain, heartache, headache but with the most rewarding? I mean, they must have been the women's outfits, probably. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. No, no, women okay. aren't easier than men. Or oh, harder. really? No, women, no. I mean, okay. I think I've done more men than women anyway. Okay, well, you've done enough with Leonardo there, DiCaprio. There's, there's no sure. difference. There's no difference between designing for a woman or designing for a man, actually. Okay, okay. Um, so which ones stand out as being... Oh, goodness. I don't know. Really I mean, tricky. each one is, is hard in its own way. It has its own set of problems or challenge, not problems, challenges. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's never enough money. There's never enough time. No. So it's, it's quite similar experiences. And so I suppose one of the, the most challenging was probably Gangs of New York, which was a really huge project. It was my first one with Martin Scorsese. 
and we shot the whole thing in Rome. So we were working in a, in a country where we, well, I had a small group of people I bought from the UK, but on the whole, I was using entirely Italian crew. So people I didn't know, uh, with a director I didn't know, on a script that was changing weekly, that I didn't even understand when I first read it. Um, <laughs> um, so I guess that, and it went on and on and on. That was about a year's job. And there were hundreds. We made every single costume in that film. You made every single one? Every single one. Wow. A thousand. So it was hard work. It was a challenge, but ultimately uh, really rewarding. One of my favorites. One of, one of the, yeah, I think it's one of the films I'm most proud of. And you've worked with Martin Scorsese a lot since then. So mm -hmm. you both obviously have a really, a great rapport. I mean, the results yeah. are pretty evident to show how you both yeah, work it really, together. It really helps to be working with the same people, you know, because you have a shorthand and you understand yeah, know. yeah, and with Martin Scorsese, is he? Um, he obviously has a big, he has a, a fine attention to detail. I've heard that if he sees someone's clothes, he'll go up to them and inspect them. Is that true? What he does uh, when an actor comes onto the set wearing a costume for the first time, he actually he'll actually go and touch them and touch the cloth. Yeah, I, I find that quite you know quite interesting. He's mm. he's very interested. Does he come and see you before? and have a look through everything? Or are you just putting the actors in the clothes and, and going out onto set with no, the trust? No, he will, will have seen either photographs or the actor in the, in the, in the costume, usually okay. before they appear on set for the first time. Okay. And okay. same with any director. I don't like to, you know, give surprises on the day uh, if, I can, yeah. if I can help it. I mean, that does happen sometimes. You don't have time to do that. But on the whole, hmm. you need to, to show what you're doing. Because I think a lot of what you do with an actor, I suppose they come in with a script and an idea of the character that they're going to play. And probably when you're dressing them and creating their outfits, you're actually really adding, adding to that character identity and perhaps cementing something that maybe wasn't cemented before, am I right? Yeah, that is the job. I mean, the job is not sort of putting clothes on people. The job is um, helping that actor find their character or helping define a character or make a character believable. So, yeah, it's always good if the actor has an opinion. As long as it's the same as mine. Exactly, as long as it's the same <laughs> as yours. And what happens if the actor absolutely hates what you're telling them to wear? Um, then what happens then? Well, Who then wins? I have to. I Who have wins? to. Well, no. If they hate it, then they're going to be. If they hate it and you and you make them wear it, they're going to be difficult or unhappy. And there's no point in doing that. So you have to come to a compromise. You have to either find yeah. a way of talking somebody around or convincing them that you're not making them look horrible on purpose or whatever it is they're upset about. Yeah. And it usually yeah. It works out. I don't think I've had. I, really can't think of an occasion where I've had anybody refuse to wear anything. Well, you've worked with some of the most exciting actors of our time, and you've worked with them all quite consistently as well. So you've obviously got relationships with all of them now, so you know what, you know their vibe. Yeah, you, you probably, know their insecurities. You know their, their insecurities, quirks, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that probably makes it a bit easier. And um, I was going to ask you, for your sources, when you're sourcing fabrics, materials, details, corsets, bustiers, are there any magical places that you can share with us? Is there any? Is that, where's your regular? Where's your regular fabric? What, the favourite fabric Berwick shop. Street. No, it used Soho. to be. The Berwick Street in the old days was good, and it's not not so good now. There's not so many things around now. It's all over again. It depends on the project. I mean, I shop, I shop in Brixton, and in Shepherd's Bush. I mean, I actually really enjoy going to the cheap fabric shops and finding things that you can work on top of and work with and make them look fantastically expensive. On the other hand, I've bought really hugely expensive um, furnishing fabrics or embroidered fabrics in the past. Yeah. But I, I, I enjoy the challenge of, of using cheaper materials and making them look expensive. Okay. And you're obviously working within a budget like everybody around yeah. here. I mean, quite often, I, I mean, more often than not, my design starts with a fabric. 
I'll okay. find the fabric that I like and then think, okay, what can I make with a fabric? Or the fabric will suggest what I make with it as opposed to design a costume in a colour, in a fabric, then you know, scour the earth for the fabric. You'll never find it. It's mm. much better to start with a fabric. Yeah. How does modern fashion... I mean, obviously, you've worked on a lot of period dramas. You've also worked on contemporary... I th- sci-fi hasn't been one of yours yet. Fantasy, no. probably Cinderella yeah, and a few others. A which, do you, which do you prefer the most, if you had to choose? Period is... Um, probably more of a challenge, but... I enjoy doing period. I enjoy something where I can actually design and make the things from scratch. But anything, mm. um, anything with a good script. A good, I mean, it, it, does, it needs a good script and good characters and an interesting director. I, I like doing it all. Which do you say first to, yes, the script or the director in general? Now that you're, now that you're working with these legends... Is it, is it that Martin Scorsese can just call you up and say, I've got an idea? Or, or of course, you're going to read the script. But, I mean, it must be easier now. Um, or, so are you reading the, scripts a lot? No, not particularly. No, no. okay. No, usually, you, usually the script and the director come at the same time. So it's sort yeah. of, you know, you know whether you like a director or if it's a director you know. And if it's a director you know and respect, a pretty good chance that they're going to be doing an interesting script. An interesting script. So. Yeah, yeah. How much does modern day fashion influence you and how much do you think that you have an influence on modern day fashion? Okay. For example, Alexander McQueen, whose dress I'm wearing tonight, Sarah Burton's recent show was very much Elizabethan. I mean, it was, it was a period drama as far as I could see. And I was looking at it and I was thinking how, much, how similar that is to the period dramas that you've worked on or that a lot of the films show now and I was wondering how much you think that those people are actually influenced by what you put on screen I don't know about that I think we're all influenced by the same thing I mean Sarah Burton's obviously influenced by Elizabethan period at the moment but she's looking at Elizabethan paintings or Elizabethan Mm. references it's not necessarily she's watched a film that's set in the Elizabethan period Mm. Um, we all we all look at the same things we all steal the same ideas from each other I mean I I'm extremely influenced by contemporary fashion. Whatever film I'm doing, whatever period it is, I will still always look at contemporary fashion. Oh, you do? Oh, always. Yes. Every, whatever the project, I will be buying magazines and looking through um, books of fashion photography, which I have many of. So I, will, I would actually start there usually, and there's always something in there that's inspiring. In the same way as probably the fashion designers look at films or theatre or yeah. paintings or whatever for inspiration. We're just all looking at the same sources, really. Yeah. It's all, it all seems to be out there in the zeitgeist at the same yeah. time. There's a dialogue that kind of goes back yeah, and forth. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Chicken and egg. Um, what kind of designers, when you're working and you're dressing everybody in huge gowns and corsets, what, what are you wearing to work? What's your kind of thing? Are you... Are you well, I whatever, mean, whatever's on the floor at the end of the bed. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're not there in your... I, no, I don't go to work all dressed up. I mean I, don't, I mean, I don't go to work looking like a mess, hopefully, but I don't dress up to go to work. You okay. don't have time. You get up at five o'clock in the morning. Yes. So it's whatever you can find in the dark, really. Okay, okay. (laughs) Right, fair enough. Now, we're going to open up for some questions from the audience now. Hi. um, I'm here with a couple of um, friends, and we're costume students, and we're all aspiring designers, I think, and we'd love to know what sort of jobs we might be able to expect to get to straight from uni to work our way up. Oh, goodness, that's a difficult one always. Um, the the, The best way to start, really, is to get in touch with people who are working and about to work and say, can I come and do anything at all? Can I come and work in your department doing anything at all? That's, that's really all I can say. I mean, that's, it's the best way to learn is experience and get out there and, and try and do any kind of work at all. 
It's also very useful to know how to sew. Yes. Well, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think you can design without sewing. You can design without sewing. But it's much easier if you know how things are constructed to be able to tell other people what you want. Thank you. We have another question just here at the front and the second row. Hi. Um, if you weren't a costume designer, is there another pathway you think you would have gone down along the way? Or I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I kind of, obviously, when I was much younger, when I was a kid, I thought I wanted to do fashion. So possibly that. And then what put me off fashion, not that I, I mean, I love fashion, but what put me off was, I think, just having to do something every season and sort of be doing stuff that, doing the same thing every time a bit. And I'm sure a lot of fashion designers wouldn't like to hear me say that, but I like the, um, I like the variety of what I do. I like the fact that I don't know what the next job's going to be or what period it's going to be, or what uh, genre it's going to be. I enjoy that. So, but, so in answer to that question, I don't actually know what I would do. I really don't know. To add to that, I was going to ask, if you're, you worked, began in the theatre, you've also done a couple of operas, if I'm right. Would you ever go back to those mediums, or is film the um, one for you? I still do theatre occasionally. I, I've done a lot of dance over the years. I've, done, I've worked with the same dance company for 25 years, doing um, small dance pieces. In the UK? In the UK, okay. yeah. So, yeah. yes, I would definitely go back to work in either of those two mediums. It's just difficult. Working in the opera is quite difficult if you're working in the film industry because in the opera you have to commit two years in advance and you have to submit designs months and months and months in advance yeah. without knowing who you're designing for. And it's, it's just a whole different setup and it's quite difficult to commit to. I read that Shakespeare in Love is going to become a West End musical in oh, really? 2014. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sonia Friedman, Sonia Friedman is producing Shakespeare in Love the musical. Wow. Who knows? Would that be? Would I mean? It would. That would be maybe, fun to do that. Maybe actually. use yeah, no, the costumes. Musical. Yeah, maybe maybe some of the costumes Same that you'd costumes. originally used. They wouldn't stand up to being uh, night after night in a theatre. No. Okay, so that's a different thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll look out for that. Uh, we have another question, lady in the middle, please. Thank you. If you could pass the microphone along. Uh, hi. For Orlando, you had to design um, clothes for the same actor for both male and female. Is it a bigger challenge or is it easier? Um, I think it certainly helped that I was designing for Tilda Swinton. It might have been difficult if I was designing for Dolly Parton or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so it's not necessarily easier. It's, uh, Tilda Swinton is a particularly brilliant you know, actor to design for and a, with a fantastic body and a real great awareness of clothes. Um, so I guess I was lucky designing for her. Tilda, you worked with Tilda on her first ever film. Yeah, Caravaggio. Yeah, and, and then she's... Now look at her. Yeah. Now look at her, exactly. That must have been... It was great, yeah. Do you, do, you know, do you spot the stars when, you're, when you've worked with these people? Do you, you see a certain, there's a certain something? I don't know whether I would have thought of that at the time. On, no. on that particular film, it was most people's first film actors, okay. technicians alike. We were all very young. Mm. So average age was 25, I think. Okay. And you were working day and night, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. yeah exactly. On no budget. Yeah, no budget working day and night, but it was great fun. Yeah, and that's the way to learn, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we had another question. The lady just next... Oh, well, you've got the microphone. Great. Yeah. How much has filmmaking changed since Caravaggio? Um, I some things have changed and some things haven't. Caravaggio was particularly different because I don't think it was like, I think even other filmmakers at the same time weren't making films in the same way as Derek Jarman made. Um, then Orlando was quite similar, quite similar setup to working on the Derek Jarman films. It's changed 
for me, in that I've been given bigger budgets to work with, but that doesn't necessarily make the jobs any easier. I don't know how else to answer the question, actually. Um, are you, do you mean, has filmmaking changed for me personally or filmmaking in general? Um, if there are more uh, criteria you have to deal with. Um, I think what I've become more aware of, because when I started out and I was doing those smaller films, they were, they were independently produced films. And so we were sort of, and, and working with people who were sort of artists. Now a lot of the films are studio-based and they have to follow formulas. They have to you know, have certain criteria, um, which I think is very limiting. And quite often if you're working for a big studio, you've got some sort of studio person breathing down your neck wanting to know that the girl's going to look pretty enough or sexy enough or whatever. There are limitations, I think. But that's not to say that all films are like that. There are still sort of plenty of uh, good low-budget films being made now, I think, where you have more freedom. Has the, has the revolution, in, the HD revolution affected you? I know that everyone was very concerned about how their skin and their wrinkles would look. Does that affect I how fabrics look? I was worried about it. The first one I did was um, Hugo, that was HD and 3D, and I was really worried about it. And actually what happened was I thought it made everything look better. I mean, we used a lot of um, vintage clothing and fabrics, which to the eye looked like really worn out. You could see it on somehow, I don't know why, but somehow um, on, on, on screen, they came out looking great, looking new and sort of Is the spec better. different for a 3D film for you? Is there, are there certain only different rules? Only little things. More colours, less I've colors. only done one, but no, I mean, colour is not affected. It's, you know, it's, uh, you have to be careful of like a little stray thread or something. Okay. Otherwise, it looked like a sort of piece of rope hanging out or coming out at you. So when, a, when, a, when, a, when, a, when an actress or an actor comes on set, you're with them. You see how the fabric and how the clothing looks on camera as they're shooting. And if, then you're well, off set. In an ideal world, you do, you do camera tests before you begin shooting. And so that's if you can, you, you test all the fabrics you might not be sure of or the colors you might not be sure of or the patterns you might not be sure of. Um, but quite often you don't get that opportunity. You do have to sort of play it by ear. And if something you, if you shoot on something that doesn't work, then you obviously don't repeat that. But sometimes no. you're stuck with it. Okay. So you're on set and then back quick to the workshop, the studio. Well, you can't change something once it's been on. No. Because you probably then have to, you know, there's continuity and but you have to use but, it again. But to go and make others for the next yeah. coming scenes, you're, but, you're hopping between the studio and, and the atelier, basically. Uh, yes. Yes. From five in the morning till midnight. Yes, amazing. And how big is your team in general for, a, oh goodness, for something like Hugo or The Departed or The well, Aviator? One of those well, big, big Hugo or Cinderella that I'm working on now. I mean, on our biggest days. Our biggest days are when we have scenes with lots of crowd in. And on Hugo, actually, that was every day. And I think the department ran to over 100 people. Right. Or it's definitely over 100, including all the people who are making costumes. They're not always making costumes in the workshops or in your workroom on site, there, there are independent people making stuff all over the place, so mm. hundreds. There might be a core group of people, it might be about 10 to 20 core group, but after that it can run into lots. And do you communicate with hair and makeup a long time before, or is this kind of a discussion that happens In an ideal before? world, in an ideal world, uh, you work closely with your hair and makeup team. In an ideal world, you like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't always happen. So okay. in an ideal world, yes, we should be working closely together, especially <laughs> the hair department, because hair departments are responsible for putting hats on. Um, so you have to work closely. Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, we had one other question I saw before we... Thank you, the lady at the front. Thank you very much. 
Hello. Hi. Um, I was wondering, are all the costumes ma made or do you sometimes source costumes and then build upon that? Totally depends on the project. On some projects, like, the, like I was saying before, Gangs of New York, nearly, I'd say almost every single costume was made. Um, other projects like Hugo, which was set in the 1930s, um, <clears throat> all the principles generally are made, and, and quite often the reason for that is because you have to make multiples of things. Like on Hugo, I had kids, two kids. A lot of different things happened to them, so you have to make multiples. Also, those two kids grew uh, during filming. They grew about six inches each, so you have to keep making new versions of the same thing. Um, but a lot of the extras, nearly all of the extras were rented either purchase clothing that we, that we source in flea markets and stuff around the world, or rented. Um, and then the film I'm just working on now, Cinderella, we've just completed the big ball scene where I managed to build half of them, make half of them, but the rest we had to rent because you can't afford to make them all, you don't have the time to make them all. And then quite often the costumes I rent, we sort of um, decorate, we sort of make better or, or sort of bring them in line with the costumes that we've made. And these are rented from places like Angels, or they come from all over the world? Is all there over a the world, actually. There's, well, Angels and Cosprop in this country, and then there are, there's uh, Torelli and Peruzzi in Italy. There's other companies in uh, Paris, all over, Germany. And they, they're all flown in, yeah. used on set, flown back. Yeah. Amazing. Such an operation. I know, it's huge. Yeah. I think it's yeah. amazing. It makes me appreciate... I mean, I've always had an appreciation but actually thinking how much work goes into it the fact that you made every single outfit in gangs of new york when i go back and look at that film i will appreciate it tenfold i really will because i and think, then you think an about every single one of those items of clothing were painted as well i mean so it's they're amazing made and then they're painted so where can we buy them where can we go i want some where do we go to, i mean is it from the rental places again or there, there is actually is there a shop that none of us know about that we should no no <laughs> okay all right sad okay we'll have some more questions lady at the front or gentleman at the front we'll just have this gentleman first and then we'll come back to you thank you hiya you've worked on so many like various projects which are so so different would you say this has influenced your, your personal sense of style hmm i don't know i think yeah i think you you do get influenced by Whichever, I, I tend to, I don't know, I don't, it's not like when I'm doing Young Victoria, I go around dressing Victorian, but I mean, you, you sort of get inspired by whatever it is you're doing at the time, or maybe whatever I'm doing at the time is inspired by what I'm doing, I don't know. I guess I'm just, in, yeah, my own sense of style, I don't know what that is actually, so maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. Thank you, and if you can pass that microphone down to the lady here, that would be great. Have you made any superhero costumes? And if you haven't, would you have loved to? No, I haven't. And actually, I'm not that interested in superheroes. I don't know why. I'm not interested in superheroes or science fiction for some reason. And um, have you had any volunteers working along with yourself? Yeah, we do. Um, we do take people on, uh, usually student people come and work for a few weeks at a time. On the, on the project I've just done, we've had students come for a few weeks at a time, but then they have to go back to school. But. And out of all the materials that you have worked with, which is your, your, your best material that you've worked with? What do you mean? Do you mean textiles? Te textiles are materials. Oh, I don't know. I mean, again, that depend, totally depends. There's not any one that is, is good. I mean, each, you know, textiles, different textiles are good for different things. So I can't say there's a favourite a favorite piece particularly. Are there new fabrics coming out 
that excite you? Is, is technology changing in that way or is it still um, good classic taffeta muslin velvet that you've always worked with? Or are you seeing... No, I like new fabrics. I mean, new mm. fabrics are really exciting and it's quite, it's quite exciting using new fabrics in old ways. Do you know what I mean? I, quite, I like the idea of using very modern fabrics to make, uh, to recreate um, period looks. Mm. I think that's quite exciting. Because I think there's a whole, the whole movement with designers like Mary Catranzu, when they're printing images onto fabric, which was never done before, but now, now it is all this 3D printing. Is that something that interests you? Uh, Digital printing or yeah, 3D. Digital, digital 3D printing, printing and digital printing are two different things. Yes, digital, digital printing. printing. I've used digital printing in, in Cinderella, actually, because quite often you might find a piece of vintage fabric. This is sort of an answer to your question, actually. I love using vintage fabrics if I can find them. Um, and there's never enough. I mean, if, if, you, if you find a piece of vintage fabric and you need to make something, there's invariably there's like you're two or three metres short. And so with digital printing, you can now recreate that and make up the, the rest of your fabric using digital print. It's fascinating. It's really useful, yeah. And that, is that an economical thing to do, or is that sky high? How does that um, work? Hmm. It's cheaper than sending somebody out scouring the world for okay. another bit of fabric, probably. Yeah. But then it does, it does take time. It does cost money as well, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You have to weigh Exciting. it up. It, you have to weigh up whether the piece of fabric you bought in the first place is cheap, mm. in which case maybe it doesn't matter printing a three more metres. Something with velvet gold mine, when, with all those costumes, which, which look to me... I mean, you could recreate those quite easily in a modern way now, or were they the vintage costumes that you actually used? Both, actually. As a mixture. We, yeah, I did, we did a lot of shopping for that and found a lot of um, original things, and a lot of people donated clothes to us. Um, but then the problem with that was it was 1970s, and everybody was half the size they are now. Oh, really? So they were? quite often the vintage things from the 70s are really tiny. Yeah. Uh, so we had to then make stuff as well. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I think we've got time for one more question. Yes, lady at the back. Thank you. Hi. Um, I was wondering, is there a difference between um, costumes for theatre and costumes for film? You said that uh, like a costume may not hold up night after night. Yes, there's a big difference, actually. I mean, costumes on film, you know, are going to get seen in, in close-up. And they might not have to last very long. But then again, depending on the film, on, on something big like Gangs of New York or Hugo again, the costumes do actually have to last several months of being worn on a daily basis, so they do wear out. Um, but costumes for theatre, you have to consider the person in the back row at the top being able to see. So it's, it's quite different, I think. It's, um, they're larger than life, usually, costumes in theatre, and they have to be built to last as well. Thank you, thank you. I think that's all we've got time for the questions. I'd just like to end with Sandy that's gone very quickly um, I've got a quote from Neil Jordan another director who you've worked with many times over and I'd just like to share that with you and also just to say thank you thank you for coming to talk to us because you've been an inspiration your work is incredible I think you are a national treasure if I may say so and long may you continue to work on the films that you've worked on and long may we will be able to have access to them um, I'll, have, I'll finish with a quote from Neil. Sandy's at the cutting edge of costume design in every possible way, and she also wears quite good clothes herself. <laughs> Which we'll all agree with. So we'll end on that. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Sandy Powell. Much.